How many of you are glad that we are a friend tonight and not a foe, a friend and not a stranger, amen? All because of Jesus Christ. As always, it's so good to see you in God's house this evening. Now, the title of my message tonight is, What's Happened to Humility? Uh, as we look at our world, uh, as we watch the news, as we look around society, if we might wander down the halls of even our schools and our college campuses, if we would even open up the doors of the church uh, and look inside or even examine the soil of our own soul, I think it's easy to understand the validity of that question. Uh, what's happened to humility? Because when we look around this world, I believe we see more pride than we do humility. I think when we look at our society, we see more pride than we do humility. Sadly, I believe that even when we look in the church and even when we look at ourselves, we see more pride than we do humility. And so that's why I've titled my message this evening, What's Happened to Humility? But before we look at that and go deeper into that, we'll pray as we always do and just ask God to, to sit on our throne tonight. Amen. And Father, we just thank you that you are our friend this evening and you're not our foe. Uh, I thank you, Father God, that you are, have called us your friend and that we don't have to be strangers. Now, that we can be more than just an acquaintance, Father. We can be your friend. And I'm praying, God, that tonight you would just uh, pour out your spirit upon us. Now, pour out your spirit in this place. I, I, I thank you that your spirit's already here, God. I thank you that you have already began to work in our hearts. But I pray that your work would be completed within us tonight. That your word that comes forth this evening would not return void, but that it would accomplish the very purpose for which you have sent it. God, I know that every time your word comes forth, there's a battle with the flesh and a battle with the spirit, that the two wage war against one another. And I'm praying tonight that your spirit would win, that our flesh would be crucified, Lord God, that we might be raised up in newness of life by the power of your word and the power of your presence. God, change us tonight, I pray, so that you would be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. All of God's people said, Amen. Over the last couple of weeks... Uh, we have been looking at the problem with pride. And as we've learned, the number one problem with pride is that it looks nothing like Jesus Christ. It, it looks nothing like the kingdom of God. It, it actually looks more like Lucifer than it does the kingdom of God. And pride is the ultimate reflection of this world. And pride is the ultimate reflection of the society that we live in. Everywhere we look, pride is in abundance. Everywhere we turn, pride is making itself known. I believe pride is uh, lurking around every corner. I believe pride is hiding behind every bush. And its goal is to control our lives. Its goal, really, is to make itself known. And that's what we are in a battle with, church. The spirit battles against the flesh, and pride is the ultimate form of flesh. Pride, as we have learned, is manifested in many different ways including those on a handout that I gave you last week, and I'm not going to go through all of those, but I do want to touch on a couple just to, to get us to where we, uh, where we are today. I want us to understand, like what we talked about last week, pride manifests itself when it complains against God. 
Pride manifests itself in a lack of gratitude. Pride grows angry. It sees itself better than others. It talks too much about itself. Pride on that sheet that I gave you uh, is like the donkey that thinks that all the applaud and all the praise and all the hallelujahs are for him instead of the one that's riding on him. And that's the problem with pride. Pride talks too much about itself. It's consumed with what others think. It's unteachable and untrainable. It's devastated or angered by criticism. It's sarcastic. It's hurtful. It's degrading. And it talks down to people to make itself look better. Pride struggles to serve. Pride lacks compassion. Pride is defensive and shifts blame on others. Pride throws the neighbor or the friend or the stranger under the bus. Pride hates to admit when it's wrong. It struggles to seek forgiveness and it struggles to say, I'm sorry. Those are just a few of the faces of pride, church. But how many of you know God has not called us to be proud? God has called us to be humble. The Word of God actually says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Because He has not called us to be proud, He's called us to be humble, church. And that's what I want to look at tonight. And that's why I ask the question, what's happened to humility? Because in all honesty, it's hard to find today. Even among God's people, even in my own life, I find pride rearing its ugly head. And we need to learn to crucify pride so that humility can be found. One of the things we have to understand is that humility is the exact opposite of pride. They live on different ends of the spectrum. And what I mean by that is, is like I said, pride lacks gratitude. And on the other end of that is that, that, that humility is filled with thanksgiving. They, they are the complete opposite of one another. Pride is unteachable, but humility is completely yielded to instruction. It's the exact opposite, church. Pride is sarcastic. Pride is hurtful and degrading. But, but, but humility builds and lifts one another up with kindness and goodness and grace. They're exact opposite. Uh, pride lacks compassion, but, but humility is full of compassion, just like Jesus Christ was. Pride struggles to serve, but humility is happy to serve. And I say all that just to let you understand that, that pride is the complete opposite of humility, and humility is the complete opposite of pride. They live in different worlds. The, the reality is the humble live in complete contrast to the proud. The humble look different. The humble talk different. The humble act different. The humble, the humble do business different. The humble worship God different. The humble serve different. The humble even dress different, church. The humble are different than the proud. There's an, there, there's an absolute contrast between the two. If you put a proud person and a humble person in the same room, you will see night and day. You will see Jesus and you will see Lucifer. When you look at this world, you see pride. And when someone looks at an individual that calls themselves a Christian, they should see the exact opposite of the world. They should not see a reflection of Lucifer. They should not see a reflection of this world. They should not see a reflection of society. They should see an exact opposite of pride. They should see humility. And they should see Jesus Christ. God sets himself, the word of God tells us, against the proud. He opposes the proud, and we've already learned that, but he gives grace to the humble. God sets himself, and I'll expound a little bit, God sets himself against the proud and gives them what they deserve, which is enmity and strife. You understand, God sets himself, he gives the proud exactly what they deserve. He gives them strife, he gives them enmity, he gives them constant conflict in their life, but he gives the humble what they don't deserve. 
on one end and the other. He gives the proud exactly what they deserve and he gives the humble what they don't deserve. He gives them grace and he gives them mercy. He gives them unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, church. It's what grace is. And the reality is God only gives that to the humble. We have to understand that. He gives us or gives the humble what they don't deserve, church. He gives to the proud what they deserve, gives to the humble what they don't deserve. According to the word of God, the proud are pushed away. According to the word of God, the proud are resisted by God, but the humble are welcomed by God and embraced by God. The proud are brought low, the Bible tells us, while the humble are lifted up. The reality is and the truth is there's only one way we can receive from God what we do not deserve, and that is through this thing called humility. The only way any of us can receive grace, the only way that any of us can receive mercy, the only way that any of us can receive God's blessing into our lives and the things of the kingdom are through this thing called humility. The thing that Jesus Christ draped himself in, the thing that Jesus Christ was born in, and the very thing Jesus Christ died in, this thing called humility. And the only way you and I will ever experience the kingdom of God in our life is through this thing called humility. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I hope we allow that to sink in, church, and understand and realize you and I don't deserve anything, church. We don't deserve the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. But if we're willing to come to this place where our hearts are humbled before God, He'll lift us up. He'll open up the windows of heaven. He'll seat us in heavenly places. We'll experience the goodness and the favor and the blessings of God. But it only comes through this thing called humility. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble church. So listen to me. I'm going to teach you a little bit tonight. If, if, if it is through grace that we are saved and not of ourselves, lest any man should be proud, understand. And if, it is, if God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, then according to the word of God, the humble are the only ones who can stand before the Lord blameless and with great joy. It's only by humility that we are saved. It's only by humility that we are saved, that that the proud will never come to the cross. I've taught you that. The proud will never humble themselves before the Lord. Yes, it is through the blood of Jesus Christ, but listen, the blood of Jesus Christ is only applied to the heart of the humble. It's only applied to the individual that understands they need a Savior, that understands they need a Redeemer, that understands that they need to be saved. I taught you before, it's the difference between the publican who stood up front in his own righteousness, and I mean the Pharisee that stood up front in his own righteousness, and the publican who bent down on his knee and said, I need mercy. It's the difference, church. You see, I want you to understand and realize that it is through humility that we are justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. But listen, if you don't have humility, the blood of Jesus has no power over your life. You know what the word justified means? It is just as if I'd never sinned. The publican who bowed down through his humility, he found justification in his life. And it was just as if he never sinned. He walked away clean because he had a humble heart. But the Pharisee that stood up in pride, he went away unjustified. And as clean in his garments were, as much as he kept the law, Jesus himself said, inside of you is still death. You're nothing but a whitewashed sepulcher that is full of death. That's the power of pride. 
It can look real good on the outside, but still stink on the inside. But humility, the spirit of humility, I want you to understand tonight the power of humility and what it makes available to us. I understand, please don't think that I'm overlooking the work of Jesus Christ, because it is only through His blood that we're saved. But the blood does not have power in our life unless our heart is humble. Because the proud, God opposes the proud. He sets himself against the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And we cannot forget that, church. It is only through humility that we will ever embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. It's only through a humble spirit, a broken and a contrite spirit, the Bible tells us, that we will ever embrace the cross. Jesus embraced the cross because he had a spirit of humility. Jesus not only embraced the cross, but he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross because he had a spirit of humility. So please understand, when the Word of God tells us to be like Christ, in order for us to to be uh, raised up in newness of life like Jesus was raised up, in order for us to be baptized into his death, please understand, we must have a heart of humility or we will never experience newness of life. We will never experience the restoration power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the power of humility, church. According to the Word of God, the humble are the only ones who can come into the the king's court and not be turned away. And not be turned away. It is a broken and a contrite heart that he will never turn aside, the Bible says. And it is only the humble that will never be turned away. I'm not telling you that. The Word of God is telling you that. I taught you last week and I tell you. He opposes the proud. He pushes the proud away. He brings strife and enmity into the life of the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. It is the humble heart that allows us to walk into the presence of the King. It is a humble heart that allows us to find the king's favor and find the king's blessing. It is a humble heart that allows us to come and talk to the king, church. It is a humble heart. And God is telling us and asking us to to have humility in our life because it is a reflection of Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is I ask this, this question, what's happened to humility? Because in all honesty, church, the world can't seem to find it. The world can't seem to locate it as easily as they should be able to locate it, church. It, it, it's sad that, it's sad that at a, at a workplace that, that has a number of Christian employees at the workplace, they don't let their light shine and they're not filled with humility and, and, and they're not a reflection of Jesus Christ because there's a world and an environment there that needs to find Jesus Christ and they won't find it except through humility either. They won't find it unless it comes through a humble heart and a humble vessel that God will work through, church. God won't work through the proud. He'll only work through the humble. We need to understand that. The truth is salvation itself hinges on humility. It hinges on humility. It's bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's provided through the blood of Jesus Christ. But it hinges on humility. Because I said the humble are the only ones that will go to the cross and embrace it. The proud will avoid it, church. We cannot come to Christ through the doorway of pride. We cannot enter the king's court through the doorway of pride. We cannot enter into our rest, as God says, through the doorway of pride. We can only come to Christ through the doorway of humility. Jesus himself said, Anyone who tries to enter the sheepfold through any other way except through the door of Jesus Christ, 
is nothing but a robber and a thief. I believe I can say this, and I believe Scripture bears it out. We know Christ was the epitome, the perfect example, a perfect example of humility. I believe that, that when we're told to be humble, when we're told to have a, a humble spirit, I believe that, that if we try to enter into the sheepfold, if we try to enter into the family of God, if we try to enter into the presence of the King through any other door than humility, we are nothing but a robber and a thief. I understand that's what the proud do. Remember we learned last week, the proud take what doesn't belong to them and they sit where they've not been invited. They sit in seats that have not been reserved for them. It's what the proud do. The proud will try to come into the king's presence through, through every other door except the door of humility. The world is filled with individuals. You see them on the radio all the time. You see them on TV all the time. Uh, 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 trying to convince the world that there's another way into the presence of God. That there's a thousand ways into the presence of the king or the court of the king or into the sheepfold of, of our faith. And God says absolutely not. God says that's an absolute lie because there's only one way to the Father and that's through me. And you only come to me through a spirit of humility. You only come to me with a broken and a contrite heart. And if you're trying to get to the Father through any other way except through a spirit of humility, you're a thief and you're a robber. You're trying to take what doesn't belong to you. And you have forgotten that God opposes the proud and He gives grace to one kind of people. It is the humble. And the reality is we're trying to take what doesn't belong to us. We're trying to take His unmerited favor. We're trying to take His undeserved favor. We're trying to take a gift that's not been given to us. Because we're walking in pride and not humility. You see, I want you to understand again the, the complete opposite. He gives to the humble what they don't deserve. He gives them grace. Grace is reserved for the humble. And the Bible also tells us that there's something that's reserved for the wicked and the proud. For Lucifer and his angels and all those that walk in pride. It's this place called hell. It's a thing called destruction. And I'm going to look at that in a minute. But I want you to always see the extreme between the two. They're not anything alike. They live on complete opposite ends of the spiritual universe. Pride is on this side and humility is on this side. Darkness is on this side and light is on this side. They are not anything alike. And what we have to ask ourselves is where do I fall on that spectrum? Am I here? Am I here? Or am I lukewarm right here? And I told you last week. If this is where we're at, it makes God sick. If this is where we're at, He spits us out. If we're in this place called lukewarm, who's got a little bit of pride and a little bit of uh, humility, it makes God sick. Because it is not the right reflection. This is where we have to dwell. This is where we have to live. We are not to be like this world or anything like that world. Well, we're to live in a different culture. We're to act like we're part of the kingdom of God. But the problem is, we love the world so much that we come halfway. Well, God, I'm not all the way over there. I'm not real. I'm that far away. But we don't realize how far we are away from who we're supposed to be. One or the other. We've got to decide, church. I just want you to understand the, the difference between the two. 
We cannot come to Christ through the doorway of pride, only through humility. It says in Matthew, Jesus himself said in Matthew seven thirteen, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And I'm going to look at that word tonight. And many will enter that way. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, the Bible says, and few will ever find it. That's a disturbing, scary thought sometimes. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow or small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and few will ever find it. Few will ever find it. It will be hidden to them. It's like this secret passage to God. I'm telling you, humility is like a secret passage to God. And the Bible says few will ever find it. Few will ever find the way to life, which is Jesus. But again, I'm I'm trying to teach you that you don't come to Jesus and you don't come to life unless you have a spirit of humility. You must have that in your life, church. The truth is, wide is the gate of pride. And narrow is the gate of humility. Many will enter the wide way. Few will find the narrow. Many will walk in pride. Look around. Look around, church. Many will walk in pride. That's not a lie. That's a prophecy right there. Many will walk in pride. Look around. Pride is everywhere. I told you it's on every TV show. It's in Hollywood. It's in society. It's in our government. It's it's seeped itself into every fiber and fabric of this life. Church pride is everywhere. And God says you cannot come to me through pride. You can only come to me through humility. Many will walk in pride. Few will walk in humility. Many will walk in their own ways. Many will do what is right in their own eyes. Many will lean on their own understanding and their own wisdom and their own popularity and their own prestige and their own power and their own influence. It's all pride. But few will say, God, I'm nothing without you. I'm lost without you. I'm I'm unintelligent without you. All of those things. I'm poor without you. I'm lonely without you. I'm empty without you. All of those things. But with you, I'm everything. But the reality is, it is only a spirit of humility that will ever say that. Not a spirit of pride. The spirit of pride, you know, I I told you, the spirit of, I can do this all on my own. Spirit of pride is filled with me, myself, and I, and I don't want to have to repeat it. But humility is empty of me, myself, and I. Remember the complete opposite. If we can get this understanding of how different the two are, it's easier for us to identify where we stand in this spectrum, church. Pride or humility is completely empty of me, myself, and I. We have to understand that, church. The way to the Father can only be found by the humble church. The word destruction in Matthew 7:13, where it says... Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Comes from the Greek words olathron and apolumai. Olathron means a state of perpetual ruination. It means endless ruin. It even means everlasting torment. And it gives greater meaning to that verse. Apolumai means to bring to ruin or to fully destroy. 
So what Jesus is saying in this passage is that wide is the gate that leads to endless ruin. Wide is the gate that leads to everlasting torment. Wide is the gate that leads to a state of perpetual ruination. Over and over and over and over and over and over again coming to ruin. Not one time, but ruin after ruin after ruin after ruin. Devastation after devastation after devastation after devastation. And I could go on and on. Perpetual ruin. That's what comes after the spirit of pride. That's what comes after the wide way that the proud will walk on. But I want you to understand on the opposite end of that spectrum is not perpetual ruination, but perpetual blessing. On the one end, we have perpetual ruination that comes from a spirit of pride. On the other end of the spectrum, we have perpetual blessing that comes from a spirit of humility. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil comes to keep you in perpetual ruin. The devil comes to destroy your marriage and destroy your mind and destroy your kids. Perpetual ruin. But Jesus has come in a spirit of humility so that you might have life and life more abundantly. So that you might experience perpetual blessings in your life. Blessings that don't run out. Wells that don't run dry. Cupboards that are never empty. Uh, promises that have no expiration date. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And all of those things are only made available to the humble. To the humble church. And we have to understand that that is the power of Humility. It's exactly what God says the same. He uses the same word. It's exactly what God says the results of pride are as well. Pride comes before destruction. And he used the same word when he talked about wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. He said pride comes before destruction as well. And he used the same two words, olathron and apollomai. Pride comes before a state of perpetual ruination. Pride comes before a state of continual devastation. And the reality is there's a lot of individuals, even in the house of God, that are living in perpetual ruin. Living in this place where nothing seems to be going right. It seems like one thing after the next after the next just collapses and falls and, and crumbles in their life. Marriage falls. Kid, everything about their life is in perpetual ruin. And Scripture tells us that if that's you, you better examine to see if you have a spirit of pride in your life. Because that is the exact result of someone who has a spirit of pride. Now listen, I know there's times that the devil will come in. There's seasons when the devil will come in, just like he did to Job, who was a righteous man. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome this world. But I want you to understand, if your whole life is a season of perpetual ruin, you're dealing with a spirit of pride. And you need to crucify it. So that you can move from a place of perpetual ruin to a place of perpetual blessing. I don't know about you, but I want endless blessings in my life. I'm not saying that in a selfish way. I'm saying that God has promised that to me as his child. He's my father. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is, is mine. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying God has provided it and I may as well claim it. But the only way I can experience it is through a spirit of humility. Otherwise, guess what? It's not mine. Otherwise, I'm reaching into a cookie jar when I've told been told to stay out. 
And you know what happens when you reach into a cookie jar when you're not supposed to? You get a little bit. Not a little bit of cookie. And the reality is, God is our loving Father. will do the same exact thing. He'll do the same exact thing, church. But I want perpetual blessing in my life. And if I want that, then I need to learn how to cultivate this spirit of humility in my life. We have to understand that meaning that pride comes before a state of perpetual ruination. Those two words. The reality is, sometimes I think we forget the power of humility in our lives, church. If pride has the power to destroy us, if pride has the power to bring us into a state of perpetual ruin, like I said, then humility has the power to save us. Humility has the power to bring all God's good things into our life. It has the power uh, to experience more than we ask for, more than we believe. You know the, the passage that said God is, God is able to do exceeding abundantly. Beyond all that you can think and all that you can ask or all that you can imagine. But guess what? He doesn't give that to the proud. He only gives it to the humble. So if you want to experience the things of God beyond what you've asked for and beyond what you think He's even capable of doing, you've got to come with a humble heart. Otherwise, He'll turn you away, church. We have to understand humility has the power to save. Remember, it's through grace that we are saved and God only gives grace to the humble. Therefore, the, 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 the humble are the only ones who will ever find life. They're the only ones that will ever receive unmerited favor in their life. The things that we don't deserve, church, come through a spirit of humility. Like I said, remember, pride and humility live on different ends of the spectrum. They live in different worlds. They're cultivated in different kingdoms, and we must understand that. One dwells in darkness. The other lives in light. One offers death. The other offers life. Pride has the power to cast us out. Pride has the power to tear us down. Pride has the power to take us to hell. But humility has the power to draw us near. Humility has the power to make us friend. Humility has the power to make us a friend and not a foe. Humility has the power to lift us up, the Bible says. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Humility has the power to take us to heaven, church. That's the power of humility. It lifts us up and it allows us to stand blameless before the Lord with great joy. That is the power of humility. Thank you. Somebody was reading my lips. I need a little sip of water if you all don't mind. That is the power of humility. The same power that is that the same amount of power, let me put it that way. The same amount of power that comes to a spirit of uh, pride on the opposite end of the spectrum. There is the same amount of power that is provided to the to the humble. It's even a greater power because that power comes from God, church. I just want you to understand that there's power at both ends of this spectrum. And we have to ask ourselves, where's my power coming from? What power is operating in my life? Because if you're operating in proud, you got some, you got some uh, earthly kingdom power operating in your life. And you don't have God's kingdom power operating in your life. If you feel like you're overrun all the time, if you feel like you're downtrodden all the time, if you feel like victory is never yours, you have to learn to develop a spirit of humility. You have to ask yourself, what power is operating in my life? 
What power am I operating through? The power of humility or the power of pride? And, and until we learn to identify that, church, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to be victims to the spirit of pride, I believe. Here's what I want us to understand. Humility comes from a heart like Christ's. Humility comes from a heart that is just like Jesus Christ, or that has been touched by Jesus Christ, who although, you know the passage in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 9, humility comes from a heart like Christ, who though he came in the form of God, who although he came in the likeness or the character of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but the Bible says he emptied himself. He made himself nothing. He humbled himself even upon a cross and death upon a cross. And I know I've shared this with you over the last couple of weeks, but I want to expound on it a little bit so we better understand it, church. When Paul wrote these words to the Philippians, he started out by saying, you are to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. And then he went into, who even though he, he came in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. He started his sentence about humility by saying, you are to have the same attitude in you that Jesus had in him, who, though he came in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, church. And what you need to understand is that Paul was saying to his most beloved church, the Philippians was his most beloved church of all the churches that he wrote to, he said to them, your prevailing attitude, your continual mindset, your constant condition or the, the constant condition of your heart, your daily disposition should be the same as Jesus Christ, which was one of humility. He was saying every aspect of your life has to be led by a spirit or filled with a spirit of humility. You are to have the same attitude the same prevailing attitude, the same daily character, the same daily disposition that Jesus had, no matter what he was facing in life, no matter if he was in the presence of a friend or in the presence of a foe, Jesus demonstrated the spirit of humility. And Paul was saying to the Philippian church, you must do the same. And he's saying the same thing to us today. But the reality is it's so difficult today, especially in America, because pride is around every corner. Pride is constantly bombarding us, and it's why we ask the question, what's happened with humility? What's happened to it? Where has it gone? Why has it been overshadowed? Why has it been replaced? Why is it even hard to find even in the house of God? What's happened to humility? Paul posed that question to the church because he was noticing some conduct and character that was not a reflection of Jesus. Why would he talk to someone about humility if they were, weren't displaying pride? That's why he says the same thing to the church today. He's telling us, you've got to be like Jesus. You've got to be covered in a spirit of humility. Please listen to me. Paul sets Christ before the church as the perfect example of modesty. He places Jesus Christ before the church as, as a sweet-spirited figure. He sets Jesus Christ on center stage as, as the perfect example of humility. And he says to the church, 
Be like this. Be like this. I don't care what you're going through, church. I understand that you got some heartache and you're going through some tribulation. I understand that, that there's, there seems to be a, a bit of lack going on in, 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 within your church. He's talking to the Philippian church. But in the midst of all of that, do not lose the character of Jesus Christ. Because in the midst of all of that, you cannot forget your call. And your call is to, to be salt. And your call is to be light. Your call is to go out into the world. You see, when he's talking to the Philippian church, right after he's talking about how we're supposed to have the same attitude of Christ, in just a couple of verses later, he says, he spoke all that because he, re- and then he reminded the people that you are supposed to be light in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. And you can't be that unless you've got a humble heart. You can't be that unless you're like Jesus Christ. You can't be that unless you have a spirit of humility within you. You can't can't influence this world unless you look like Jesus Christ. You can't lead this world to the cross unless you look like Jesus Christ. You understand? You can't break through the darkness and pride unless you have a spirit of humility. Please understand me. How do you think Jesus broke the spirit of Lucifer's pride? By becoming humble. He didn't have to. He was king of kings and lord of lords, but he made himself nothing, church. He broke the back of pride by becoming humble. He had to become the exact opposite of the one who tried to rise up against God. He had to be the exact opposite. And that same responsibility falls on you and me. We must be the exact opposite of this world or we'll never touch this world. The problem is we think, oh, we got to go be like the world in order to influence the world. Oh, I got to go to the bars so I can reach the ones in the bars. I got to curse so I can touch the one that curses. I got to do all this so I can, I got to do all of this so I can, that's nonsense and that's a lie. Jesus became the exact opposite of the world so he could free the world. And we've got to become the same opposite as well. The only way you will ever touch the darkness is by being complete light. Dispel the darkness. And listen, you'll never do it with a spirit of pride. You'll only do it with a spirit of humility. I hope you're grasping this, church. Jesus abased himself, Paul said. He made himself lower than that which he rightfully deserved. You see, that's the difference, like I said. Lucifer went after what he didn't deserve. He lifted himself up. He exalted himself. And Jesus broke that spirit by abasing himself and becoming less than what he absolutely deserved. I know it sounds ridiculous. I know it's hard to fathom. But it's exactly what Jesus did. One of the next series I'm going to do is the Beatitudes because because it is a ref- it, it, Jesus teaches us to be the exact opposite of the world in the Beatitudes. The exact opposite. He had to teach his disciples the Beatitudes so that they would have the power to affect the world. And we have to learn that too. We have to learn and remember that we are supposed to be the exact opposite of this world. And that if we're touching this world and playing with this world and, 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 and enjoying the pleasures of this world, we lose the power to affect this world. We cannot forget that, church. I know I'm running out of time. But Christ served as the perfect example of humility. Jesus, even though he came in the form of God, please understand this, did not come robed in royalty. He didn't come robed in royalty. He didn't come with a crown. He didn't come with a scepter. He didn't show up with an entourage. 
He didn't have anyone marching before him with trumpets and, and all sorts of stuff announcing him as king. It was after his birth to a bunch of shepherds and to a bunch of peasants. He wasn't born in the midst of kings. He wasn't born in the midst of princes. He was born in the midst of shepherds and in the midst of peasants. His whole life was a demonstration of humility, church. He didn't come in the splendor of a king. He didn't come in the splendor that he deserved. And we have to understand that. He made himself nothing. He poured himself out for you and me. And we have been called to do the exact same thing to those around us. I hope we realize we're supposed to pour ourselves out for our spouse. We're supposed to pour ourselves out for our kids. We're supposed to pour ourselves out for our neighbors. We're supposed to pour ourselves out and empty ourselves. It's when you pour yourself out that they taste of Jesus and see that He's good. When you pour out humility, listen, when you pour out pride, it's bitter. When you pour out pride, they taste nothing but themselves. The only way anyone will ever taste and see, that the, taste and see, I don't know if you've ever got that, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. The only way this world will ever taste Jesus is that if you exude humility. The only way he'll ever, they'll ever taste Jesus is if you are pouring out Jesus. The only way they'll ever see that God is good is if you're full of Jesus. The only way they'll ever taste and see that God is good is if you and I are exuding, church, a spirit of humility. Jesus didn't come in the splendor of a king, and I'm going to start winding this down. Jesus was born of a, jo- a lowly Jewish peasant. He was born at night in an obscure little town. He was born in a barn, laid in a feeding trough. You all know this. And he was wrapped in rags instead of riches. His birth was announced to shepherds and not kings, to peasants and not princes. And even though he came in the form of God, from day one, he humbled himself. From day one, church, till the day he died, he made himself less than he deserved. That's what humility is all about, and that's the spirit that God asks us to have in ourselves, church. His life was never about him, but it was always about the Father He lived a lowly life, but a holy life. He never stored up treasures on earth, but he daily stored up treasures in heaven. He lived a life of suffering and surrender, but the greatest form of humility came when he submitted himself to death on a cross, church. And when he was there, as he hung on Calvary's cross, as he was raised up on Golgotha's hill, it was then, the Bible says, that he poured himself out. It was then that he emptied himself and made himself nothing for you and me, church. And that's what humility does. It empties itself. It pours itself out. It lowers itself. It considers others more important than itself, church. It decreases so he might increase. Humility, like Christ, crucifies itself. It lays itself down. It doesn't seek its own But it seeks the glory of the Father. It doesn't pamper me, myself, or I. It rather gives glory to the Father, church. It rids itself of me, myself, and I. Here's what I close with. True humility was epitomized in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus cried out, Not my will. Not my will. Not my will. That's what the spirit of humility does, church. Every day, it rises up 
and says, not my will, but your will be done today, God. Humility understands that it has a responsibility to the Father. And if pride gets in the way, the kingdom will never come into my life. Pride has to say, not my will. And listen, in every situation we face, do nothing from selfish uh, means or selfish conceit, the Bible says. Do nothing. So what we have to realize is every single day we have to say, not my will, God, but your will be done. And here's what I close with. The reality is we have to ask ourselves a question. Last week, when we were asked, what face are we wearing? When I mentioned all of the, the faces of pride. But tonight I believe the Spirit is asking, whose clothes do you have on? Whose clothes are you wearing? Because the reality is, Peter tells us, in chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he says, put on or dress yourselves in humility. Dress yourselves in humility. And that's what I was talking about just a minute ago. Every single day... When we rise up, just like we put on our shorts, just like we put on our socks, just like we put on our dress or our pants, just like we put on our shirt, just like we put on our coat, we are supposed to dress ourselves in humility. We are supposed to dress ourselves in Jesus Christ because if we don't, church, our day... Let me put it this way. It might be productive on an earthly level, but it won't be productive at a kingdom level. Unless we put on humility, we will accomplish zero for the kingdom of God. So the question that the Holy Spirit is asking tonight is, what clothes are you wearing? Whose clothes do you have on? Do you have on Lucifer's or do you have on Jesus's? Are you cloaked in a spirit of pride or are you cloaked in a spirit of humility? And if you're here tonight and you say, God, I just want to be draped in the spirit of humility. I want to be that individual that when someone looks at me, they can see a spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of humility. If that's you, I just want you to stand your feet and you're just saying, God, I'm committing to dressing myself in a spirit of humility. Amen. Amen. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Father God, for your demonstration towards us, the example that you placed before us, God. You didn't just tell us to be humble. You showed us what humility is all about. You didn't just tell us and command us to be humble. You gave us the Holy Spirit to help us to be humble. So I pray tonight, God, that we would learn from Jesus Christ, that we would learn truly, Father God, what humility is all about, Father. It is a surrendering of ourself. It is a crucifying of me, myself, and I. It is It is putting on the clothes and the garments of Jesus Christ so that we might be a reflection of Jesus Christ. So, God, every one of us here that are standing tonight are saying, God, I desire to put on your garments. I desire to put on garments that are a reflection of your kingdom and not a reflection of this world and not a reflection of this earth. God, it's my prayer that you would forgive us all, Father God, for the the pride that has resided in our lives. The pride that we have given room to. The pride that has influenced our speech or influenced our attitudes or influenced our marriages or influenced, Father God, the way that we just carry ourselves through life. Forgive us for the pride that has influenced our praise and our worship and, and our surrender or our sacrifice or our service to the kingdom of God. Forgive us of those things, Lord. 
And I pray that you would fill us with the spirit of humility so that we might experience, God, perpetual blessings in our life, Father, and not perpetual ruination. God, if there's anyone here tonight that has just uh, set themselves against you with a spirit of pride for whatever reason, I pray that that would be broken tonight, God, that that yoke would be broken, God, and that a spirit of humility would come upon them, that they would yoke themselves to you and learn from you, Father God. So that they could experience, God, your blessings in their life. Take this word now, I pray, and seal it. Take this word, Father God, and drive it deep down within our soul. Water it, Father God. Cultivate it. Help us to chew on it that it might bear fruit in our lives and fruit that will last. I pray, Father, that not one seed of salvation, not one seed of your word tonight would be snatched away And Father God, that we wouldn't grow up quick and then wither once again when the sun comes up. But that we would remain strong, Father God, grounded in your word and revived by a spirit of humility. Teach us to be humble, I pray, and forgive us for the times that we're proud. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, amen. Can we, as always, church, just bless him for his word. Amen. If you have a special need, I'll be happy to tarry, pray with you, as well as our prayer team. Otherwise, church, be blessed and walk in humility that you can experience God's blessings. Amen.